Today on the podcast is Abby Ward-Takarabi. She has some really interesting ideas on being healthy. I think she is an amazing health practitioner. Her yoga is awesome, she speaks beautifully, and she's just the loveliest person you could ever meet. I hope you enjoy listening to her. No recording. Hello. Hi, Anthony. So glad that you could come here. Thanks for having me. This is like having a normal conversation with you, like, you know, at a party or around someone's lounge room table. And we've had lots of them. Mm. I love Good it. Good ones. We wish we had the recorder on then. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's the motivation to do this, because you end up having conversations with people that, at the end of it, you say, whoa, wish I had recorded that. I've, I enjoy li- sitting across the table from you, listening to the conversations you have with other people because they're always so interesting. That's what Ellie said. And then I, when I listen to myself, I go, ah, oh, listen to you. No, I think what strikes me about that is because you always manage to ask really pertinent questions and want, like, you're very authentic, like you don't want... A specific answer from the person like you're always just looking for the honest response it doesn't matter what the response is and you're totally open to it it's yeah really good well I, I just want to learn yeah that's my motivation that's, that's why I, I ask people questions that's what I can see and sometimes they might come across as dumb questions no I never thought they're dumb questions. no but to some people who you know in other fields yeah and maybe that's you know, part of the thing with a podcast is you have a kind of idea in your mind about what you what you want to say, but actually when you're in a party or in a round-the-table conversation, you don't have any script. There's no issue. No. No, you can do or say what you want. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. I'm going to turn this phone off. I don't know who the person was that left it here, Abby. Might have been early. (laughs) So what did you get up to today? Today, well, I have Mondays off because I do my admin things. Yep. Actually, I went to the dentist and my my teeth are in such good condition. I'm so happy with my gums because at one stage in my life they weren't that good. But today was the first time it was all so easy. I had no pain. I love my dentist. She's so wonderful. And can I give her a plug? Yeah. <laughs> She's Vanessa Platt. She's at Ozone Dental on um, North Terrace, I think. Yeah, I used to go to Ozone. Yeah. I got all my amalgams out. Ah. Yeah, Ozone. From Simon. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, Simon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, she's beautiful. So I went there and then I got to meet my mum today. Um, doesn't sound like I did a lot of admin, does it? But I actually did do some admin things and I met my mum for lunch. So it was nice. I often wonder what it would be like to be a dentist when you know that everyone hates you. Yeah. Because you, you're going to drill them. And, and you're going to cause them pain. Yeah, people don't want to see you. I don't want to see a dentist. No, no. I hate going to a dentist. But she's so lovely, this one. I just don't know. I think people wouldn't mind going to see her. She's always <laughs> so busy because she's so nice. Yeah. And she's gentle, you know. Like, they don't use the high-powered drills and cleaning things. She uses all by hand, scraping things. I like yeah. that. She's so good. That's good. Yeah. Good to hear. I couldn't wait to get out of there. Yeah. Once I got my amalgams done, that was it. Like, was it painful? It was just, you know, it was just a long process to get them all out and yeah. get them filled with plastic. 
Yeah. Mm. You glad you did it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because they yeah. leak. I wouldn't know if I feel better because of it, but they're out. They leak mercury, so yeah. better out than in. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm. That's why I did it. Mm. So anyway. So your paperwork, that's for your business? Yeah. So I was doing, like, organising a few classes and seeing if someone, like, a, a couple of people have asked me about extra classes and when I can timetable them. That's yoga. Yoga. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and just some reshuffling of schedules. But, yeah, you know, when you work for yourself, there's always something to be done. There's never, it never just finishes. Yeah, a lot of people think working for themselves will be easy. No. It's not easy, hmm. especially when you're working for yourself. I think um, gives you freedom, but it doesn't give you the kind of freedom that I think most people assume. Yeah, because you're still working for them. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> working, right. We're all working for someone. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and the, but I can't complain. I have such wonderful classes and clients and students, and really, your yoga is amazing. That's how we met. Yeah. How long ago was that now? Would have been, uh, well, the float room's 10-year anniversary this year, so it would have been ten years just ago. before that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Just yeah. before that. Yeah. So it would be 10 just years. Just before that. Wow, that's amazing. So, yeah. That was a lovely little room when you, where you started. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, so the yoga, yeah, I guess that's changed how I've taught over since 10 years ago. It would be a long, quite different now, but... Nevertheless, you've come to class recently, so I love it. Okay, that's yeah. Good. <laughs> I often tell people about it because for me, going to a yoga class where they're using traditional yoga terms puts me off a bit. Mm. I don't know why it does, but it does. That's such an interesting comment. Yeah, it was all the thing, all the rage. Like when I first started, so twenty years ago. We were, there was only Sanskrit terms. There was only Sanskrit instruction in terms of naming postures, and then it changed. And I think, I think for the better because it made it accessible and it wasn't so elitist. Um, That's how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah. but it, I think it can go the other way too. And I don't really mind what people call their poses. I think what makes it it's actually easier to use the Sanskrit names mm. for a teacher because if a teacher's talking about I was teaching this particular pose, you know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. If everyone's got a different name for it, that's really hard to communicate. Yeah. So I understand Especially why if you're it. swapping between classes with different teachers. Yeah, and, and that's right because different schools of thought will have different ways of labelling poses like cat pose, we call cat pose, but there's so many different variations of what cat pose might be in Sanskrit or in a different school of thought. Yeah. So there's ultimately you get used to the vocabulary your teacher uses, like yeah. the language your teacher uses. I like it. It's gentle and you know what it is and you know what's coming and once you once you relax into it you figure out that yoga is about getting you to relax. Well it shouldn't be a distraction. Like a, the name of a pose shouldn't distract you from being present in what you're doing like I think if you get all wrapped up in exactly how the sequence should go as a student in the class if you get wrapped up in you know what's going to come next or I don't want to do that or what's the name that she's talking about you lose the momentum internally I think mm, yeah. yeah yeah so I try and make it as 
accessible as I can. Because there's so many different types of people in class, you know what it's mm. like. Yep. Yeah. So many different variants of interpretation. So basically, I remember saying to someone, when I'm speaking, teaching, it's like my words have to somehow convey a picture and I have to see the feedback of their bodies and sense what's going on in them to see if what I'm saying is effective. It's amazing how you do that. But like it's, it's so descriptive that you you tell me that this I'm going to breathe into that rib. Yeah. Oh, how does she know that? Well, because I've got a body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like, like it's pretty universal. Yeah. But it's, I guess, teaching has a su- such a different skill set to practice like just because someone's been practicing yoga for 50 years or whatever it doesn't mean they'll be able to teach it Hmm. because teaching is a totally different skill set than practice yeah I don't think and that's that's the case for that's true any avenue yeah yeah. really yeah some people are really good at what they do but they're awful teachers yeah and then yeah and the opposite as well some people Hmm. aren't very good at what they do and then they become teachers do as I say, not as I yeah. do. Mm. Have you taught before? Like with uh, Yeah, yeah. 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 I enjoyed Have, it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was good at it, but there were some people that didn't. <laughs> what, the students? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think when you've got that experience, you can, like you want to share what you, what you know. Mm. I think that was the motivation for me when I first started teaching like I was so young when I think about it, I think, wow, how did I start so early? But it was so that I could, I was so excited about how I felt, like, wow, this is such a relief from the normal state of mind that you have going through daily life. Everybody should do this, that that kind of thing, which is a kind of immature, maybe, way to start. But it was through my genuine wish to share that, feeling with other people did you find by teaching that you became better at what you did because you had to yeah you had to know it really well Mm, I think your practice becomes like your your practice is once you start teaching not your own yeah okay you can't I mean so what you do at home is way different yes it is now Mm. but it also informs my teaching, so I can't teach what I don't practice. Yeah, that's right. So if yeah. I'm teaching something, it's because I've done it however many times and I've embodied it somehow that I can convey. Yeah. But you're always thinking like that as a practitioner of yoga. You're always thinking, how could I present that to people in a way that's going to help them and be beneficial to them? Yeah. Like, and so for that reason, it's not really just... So is that like simplifying it? Yeah. So they can understand yeah, it? Rather yeah, than giving that's a good question. Like I think, um, yeah, simplifying it and also thinking, is it applicable? Is that going to assist people become more aware of their bodies, of their yeah. breath, of yeah. where their mind is at? Yeah. Because if you introduce things when the timing's not right, it doesn't work. So I think timing is so important in the practice, like mm. timing in sequencing and in someone's overall journey. You wouldn't be teaching headstand to beginners, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I rarely teach headstand anyway. So um, 
that kind of thing. It's just a matter of what's the knowing what's the purpose. Where do I want these people to be at the end of the class or at the end of the however long we have? Where do, where do I want them to be physically, mentally, yeah. emotionally, and then using the tools that I have to get them to that state? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you've succeeded because you've got people that have been coming to you for years. Yeah, I've seen some people for many years. It's mm. so nice to see that, mm. like their commitment. Yeah. It makes such a difference. They could all go after hot yoga and do all that stuff. And yeah, hot yoga. I've never tried it. No, I can't say I've tried it. And I think it's whatever floats your boat. But I think it's because yoga's become so... Um, popularized yep. there's a part there's there's yoga for each kind of inclination like a trendy thing yeah it is a trendy thing um i think sometimes it's a bit unfortunate that they use the word yoga like i think it might be better if it was like hot exercise or something yeah okay <laughs> yeah but it they depends. probably do some of the yoga moves yeah well the movements the postures that people do um yeah each school is a bit different but they generally are re- repeated in the same sequence. It depends on the school of thought, though. But I think whatever works for the person, and many people, I think, come to yoga because they have a physical orientation. You know, they want to stretch and be stronger, and I think that's really valid. But when they continue to practice, they realise, oh, wow, there's so much more here on offer. Like It's mm. like they've gone to... I don't know, let's say a juice bar. They go to a juice bar to expect to get a juice, but actually there's like a smorgasbord as well and they didn't realise it was there. Mm, so mm. Um, there's so much to be discovered. It, you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah, I've, I love going. Yeah. I don't go often enough. Yeah. I'm it's more often than not driving home from work when you... That's right, time-wise, yeah, doesn't yeah, time. But lots of people yeah. find that. There's, you know... Practice doesn't have to be, um, I mean, it's nice coming to a class and it is a different energy, but Mm. it doesn't have to be, like, scripted. It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be with a whole group of other people, but it does help your motivation. If I was disciplined, I could do it at home. Yeah. Yeah. But that's always a tricky one. That's always a difficult step. Did that, like, your yoga practice and your years of doing it, is that what led you to homeopathy? Well, I think... When homeopathy came, homeopathy was hanging around me for a long time. Like, I remember when I first went to India and then Sri Lanka, I met a couple, um, this gay couple, these two women. They were such good women and I wasn't very well in Sri Lanka and they were staying in the same hotel that I was in and one of them was a homeopath and she gave me something for how I was feeling and I felt better and she was really talking to me because I was interested quite at length what is this little white pills that I'm taking from a stranger you know and I feel better so we got into a conversation and I thought wow there's so much to this I don't think I can go into it right now like I would have been early 20s back then then before that actually I had a naturopath and she wanted me to try these drops and I, I did that as well. And it was always in the back of my mind. And I'd bought a home book on homeopathy and read through it a little bit. And I thought, oh, this is really obscure. I bet it takes really a long time to study. And then it popped and, up and again. Yeah, it does. 
it's a sad state of affairs though but th we'll get to that but anyway like the the point of um, this is that it had come into my orbit about three times before I paid attention and yeah. I thought oh there's something knocking on my door and when I investigated further once I got really sick like I was in Adelaide and I had had an absolute breakdown and I went to the conventional doctors at the time and they all said to me you need to just manage yourself and I really was unsatisfied with that answer and I thought no I'm not managing myself and when I researched homeopathy during that time homeopathy's aim whether or not it hits this every time that is besides the point but its aim is to cure and I was looking for that word mm. whatever I invested my time and energy into I was looking for that word why aim for less than that mm. like you want to be well so then I found a homeopath here and she helped me through that process of recovery and it really made such a difference to my life and that again same story as yoga I thought I was so sick if something can make me feel so much better why wouldn't I want to share that with everybody else mm. so same story that's why I pursued study in homeopathy and that was the start of a very long journey yeah well, I, I feel the same about it and I tell everyone I know that I meet. you're my best promoter you know um, but you know on the other hand like the medical professionals who are way better trained knowing things than I am will tell you it's snake oil yeah that's true and that's the, that's the term they've used mm-hmm it's only because they don't know that, that there's a conventional mindset and anything that exists with outside, outside of those parameters doesn't fit their model of reality. So it's very difficult to be open-minded enough to accept that there's other possibilities. Yeah. And I yeah. think with homeopathy in particular, science hasn't caught up with how to research it and how to prove things. I was just listening yesterday to an interview. Um, Ty Bollinger was interviewing an Indian doctor, excuse me, I forget his name. Um, he, he was homeopathic doctor, he's a conventional doctor, he's done his PhD, and he's most recently done some research in nanotechnology. And he's proven that there are still substance, there is still substance left in the dilutions that we use to the potency of 1m that's what he's investigated so far so that's technical I know but prior to his research there was little evidence to suggest there was any trace of whatever left in the dilution but mm. now because of the use of nanotechnology and being able to measure nanoparticles there's now some evidence to suggest that it is there and because of its smallness because of the size it influences our genetics so it has yeah. an epigenetic influence which is like amazing but that's so far beyond what's been researched so far like there hasn't been the ability to measure that like many we're told as homeopaths it's an energetic medicine it's a dynamic medicine mm. that's because the founder Samuel Hahnemann had su said those words and suggested it well this doctor yesterday was suggesting that it was only considered that because they didn't have access to measuring the um, nanoparticles 
in right. the DNA. Yep. And so now with this new information, perhaps it is dynamic and it is energetic. It does affect us on an energy level. It is energy medicine. But it also affects uh, us at a very, very subtle level. So most people would look at that and go, energy medicine, Abby. Yeah, woo-woo. Yeah, you know, what are you telling me? I, but they'll go and have a pill mm. that is, uh, how do they know what that is? No, that's true. Yeah. I guess it depends where it's come from and they, their trust in whoever has given that to mm. them. That's a really big part of it. Yeah. And I guess the trust in the laws that be that something wouldn't be put on the market if it wasn't safe or it wouldn't yeah. be given if it wasn't effective. It's trust. Yeah. In the, and I think, actually, like, if I'm blunt, blind faith, like, if it really is, like, not for all. I think the general population is now becoming much more savvy in... Looking at... Um, what they're putting into their bodies. Yeah. And why. Yeah. It's interesting. My youngest daughter went to her doctor to talk about immunisation mm. and uh, she uh, wanted to choose she wanted to, she wasn't anti-vaccination she wanted to choose mm. which ones to give her mm. child and she mentioned what about homeopathic mm. immunisation mm. and her doctor said oh it's a load of rubbish mm. straight away mm. so and she left there really not knowing very hard and it's an area actually called homeoprophylaxis and it's an area that many homeopaths don't know a lot about because there isn't a lot of education about it but there has been some really good work done and Isaac Golden who's Australian has done some brilliant research and I've recently just researched some of his stuff that um, I think is really really valuable and um, Again, I don't think there's enough evidence one way or the other for anyone to make a claim that, oh, it's rubbish. It means they haven't investigated it themselves because there is no evidence to say it works or it doesn't work. They haven't, they haven't looked in the right places. Mm -hmm. You have to be unbiased to look for information like that. But if someone already thinks it's quackery, they'll find evidence to support yeah. that in their own head. So... Homeoprophylaxis, while it's, I think, hugely beneficial and so effective, um, I, I think largely misunderstood. And I think even for homeopaths, it's a fairly uncharted area. Mm. Like, it's been around since homeopathy began, really, since Hahnemann, you know, there was an outbreak of scarlet fever and it was treated with a particular remedy and that particular remedy was given to other kids who didn't have the disease yet and they didn't get the disease and there is all sorts of um, stories like that so it's been around it's there yeah it's it, the tricky thing is if you give a remedy as homeoprophylaxis how do you know that it's worked how do you know that someone's covered when do you repeat it mm. so there's different schedules that people have proposed and I don't know enough to say with any authority what's best but what I would probably suggest against is following the conventional protocol with homeopathic remedies I think that's really um, unnecessary yeah but it's but you know 
I think it's really important that people choose what they feel comfortable with. So if a parent is saying, I'm not going to vaccinate, and then they spend their days and nights thinking about, oh my gosh, is Johnny going to get measles? Like, what's that's just, you have to somehow find peace with the decision that you make. Yeah, that's right. And not be pressurised. Yeah. I think that's my biggest concern about vaccination is the pressurisation, the absolute paternalistic idea that I know best, mm. you need to do as you're told. I don't buy that. So Ooh. people were then frightened into making a decision with a small amount of information, small amount of information. That it's like given. the schoolgirls being given iTunes vouchers. That's what happened then? They're, they're offered iTunes vouchers to take the um, Gardasil. Gardasil. Yeah. Is that the HPV vaccination? Yeah. 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 I, actually, I... Yeah, and it, there's two lots, I think. Like, they have HPV, and then they have a booster again in a couple of weeks after that. Mm. And um, I know there was all sorts of horrible stuff that happened in, within the trials. Yeah. And... Um, many parents have a question mark around it now. Yeah, that's right. Well, they're giving it to boys. As well, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, I think... Oh, my gosh. See, this is what I love, Anthony, about how you question, because you just go straight. You don't just... You just cut to the chase, right? <laughs> like, let's just talk about vaccination. Well, it wasn't my plan, but <laughs> yeah. away we go. No, it's good. Um, it's... I, like, I'm really for people making a decision that they feel very comfortable with but not pressurising anyone else into believing what they believe. Yeah, that's right. And But this isn't an old argument. Or this isn't a new argument, sorry. No. This is an old one. Yeah. It's been going for a long time. Yeah, except what's different is I think the number of vaccinations that people have, the number of boosters they have, the age at which it's delivered think there are so many aspects to it I do think though it's probably a little more open-minded now in that there are some places where they'll divide them up or they'll only give you certain ones and whatever but I do think that it's getting harder for parents to make choices that they want to make because you can't send your kid to this daycare you can't yeah. send your kid to that school that kind of thing even you know I have a dog, new puppy, like you know. I can't send him to puppy daycare or whatever if he hasn't had his, you know, third lot of booster yeah. things, and he's only six months old. And I just think, wow, you know, I understand. Like, on the flip side to that, I can see how with kids and dogs, especially, how quick disease spreads because they're all over each other. They yeah. just they lick each other's saliva and bums and all sorts and. So things spread really fast, I get that. But there's not only one way to prevent that. Mm. And I think it's got a lot to do with the health of the individual at the outset anyway. Yeah. And the the susceptibility. Not everybody's susceptible to every disease. Not every child is susceptible to every disease. Not every child's going to present the same with the same disease. And I think there's just this huge variation that we don't take into consideration. The variation's not accounted for kids are just given standard dose standard vaccination you're all the same yeah it, it, it's not an individualized process the conversation at the moment is not about being anti 
it's about choosing and it's about wanting the um, the vaccinations that are given given in triplet triple mm. all all together separated mm-hmm. and there are places that do that yeah. now yeah, yeah. when people that's the, parents the hard part choice. is to find that though yeah that's true i mean in adelaide we do have yeah there is there are places to go for conventional doctors to separate things and make that yeah. choice but the difficulty parents must have like if you're not interested in health or you haven't studied health in any particular way how do you find the information to make the choice that's going to suit you like unbiased information that's going to support what you want to do like uh, how do you find that out? as a young parent i didn't well how would I you i just vaccinated my kids because that's what you did and you didn't have google I, there was no internet no and uh, there was no multiples no and there was like i think they're getting 60 nowadays there was maybe 10 yeah it's up to the age of 14 it is quite so a lot and it's big it's different so i think the part the difficulty is that they say you know we we need informed consent mm. right? but how informed is that like I, I don't know what that means like is informed a pamphlet like a four pamphlet mm. and i don't know if that's informed might really. not be enough info yeah i i really don't know and so i think it's what i think is important is people question how does it work mm. how do i know that it's working mm and what's in it yeah i think people just need to ask questions yeah not to say that they you know they're going to find the big bad monster under the bed and you know they'll never want to do it maybe that's not the case so it's really important that people make a educated decision but as part of that that takes a really a lot of time yeah it does people the the sad thing that's going on at the moment though is that there's a lot of women that are choosing to not vaccinate, but they're too scared to tell anyone. Yeah. And there's a there's a network of women that are getting together to support each other, mm. but they're afraid to mention it to their doctor or to the even their parents yep. that, that they haven't. That's right. And it's really sad. Mm. They should be able to. They should be able to hold their head high and be proud and say. No. And this is why I've chosen to do it. Mm. Yeah. I do it is Because by the way I'm the mother. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Mm. And and the arguments you'll hear contrary to that will be, Well, you're putting my child at risk. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you put a child at risk if you have a faith in the vaccination that you've given the child. So it's yeah. it's a it's a very controversial area and I think it's sad that people feel so oppressed that they can't talk even to their families That's in some right. cases yeah. about it yeah. um, I, feel, I feel sorry for them and I'm in, in a selfish way I'm glad I'm not a parent today yeah no, but, I've but I'm a grandparent yeah but you're this, the responsibility is obser- not yours right it's not mine you're an observer and it's very interesting and but I guess you're in a unique position like as a grandparent because you take a step back because you can't make any decision around that and you're open-minded enough to say to all your girls you make the choice and I support you whatever it is whatever yeah, no matter what yeah and no so judgment that, and that's an ideal situation but lots of young families don't have that the kind mm. of support no they don't um, because it really does take a open-mindedness it's yeah. like food you know Anthony I always 
liken this kind of idea around vaccination is like food like you can't eat this particular thing because it's got this in it and then that particular diet is the best way because we're evolving this way and like it becomes religious like mm. it becomes dogmatic yeah i have a, i have quite an issue with that i i really respect tradition i'm part of a tradition a very old tradition and i have a lot of respect for lineage but when it is not helpful we need to find new ways of doing things so i think um there's a there's a call now things are being called into question mm. Mm. well there's a there's a parallel here and what I was getting at was that this is driven by money yeah largely it's a very big industry and I see a future where we become so used to vaccinating our dogs mm-hmm. and then our children mm-hmm. and then us mm-hmm. and it'll come mm-hmm. it'll be like okay you're 60 now so you need Alzheimer's vaccination mm. and, mm. and it'll slowly we'll all be vaccinated for everything and where does it end? it'll be a wonderful money making exercise yeah there's a lot of money to be made really um, but on the downside if we go back to homeopathy mm. like this year um, 17 natural remedies or natural practices are taken off that's right the insurance list so you can't claim next month um yeah, April. Yep. Homeopathy's probably on the top of the list, oh, but yeah. there's a whole heap of them. Yep. And the homeopathy was um, the test case for saying it's quackery. Yes, that's right. That was the report done by the NHMRC. Anthony, you just go straight for the kill. Like, this report has been um, contested. The ombudsman still has it. I mean, yep. actually, has that been proven now? To be fraudulent? Yes, because there was all sorts of fraudulent things that went on with that report. The the head of that department said before they started to do the study, I don't think homeopathy is any good. That's correct. So the start. (laughs) So this is the outcome I want. That's right. And then then when they congratulated him, he was the one that then stood up and said, this is snake oil. But it goes back to the treasurer of the time mm-hmm. that said righto here's a way we can h- help the budget we'll stop paying insurance on all of these things and that's yep once again money you I, know, people I, can't get to enjoy um natural therapy do you know like i because try as i might i cannot work out how the australian government can re- can tell a business you're now not allowed to sell that product, which is what they've done with mm. private health insurers. So how yeah. have they got the power? Where did that law get passed and for what reason that you now cannot sell this product to your customers? Mm. For what reason? We, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, I, I, from I, what I I've read, know. I can't gather what's the cause of it but if you look around the world it's the same everywhere yeah they're all doing it yeah especially homeopathy is often attacked Mm. um because yes it's it's difficult for scientists to wrap their head around and to prove which now it's changed that's changing but also um it works anthony and healthy people don't drive sickness-based businesses Mm. so 
if, for example, I have a colleague who has a very successful practice and she says to me, you know, I, I don't see my clients very often. And she said, because I'm doing follow-ups, but they're better, so I don't get them to come back. Mm. Well, that's not really good to make money, is it? So mm. it's a really effective, if provided you're prescribing well, it's a really effective system of medicine. And mm. if it cures people, they no longer need drugs, mm. so they don't fuel the machine. So yeah. it's not in their best interest. And so they, they have the answer. Well, it's not in their best interest of the medical profession to find out if this works, because firstly, it's extremely cheap. Homeopathic remedies to produce are cheap, and they can be made on mass. So it's not it's not I mean the process to dynam to potentize and make a remedy is really involved but once that's done to distribute that and there was studies done on homeoprophylaxis actually in Cuba about um, vaccinating against I forget what it was at the time there was an outbreak of so I should have got my facts right before I came in Anthony anyway <laughs> um, the, the um, showed how effective it was and how little cost was involved. Mm. There was such little cost yeah. involved. Yeah. But that's not the case with, sorry to say this, but Big Pharma, they just, it's dollar signs everywhere. So if there's a potential to make money, it has to be on a very grand scale and charge a lot of money for and it. And make sure that what you're selling is addictive. People can't live without it. Yes, mm. essentially addictive. Mm. So, um, yeah, I understand there's a place for it, and I understand that it really suits some people's lifestyles. Like I know even people in my family, like they don't, they some of them still think I'm a crazy witch. <laughs> so it's not like, and I certainly wouldn't want to convince them of, you know, you all have to do what I think. You know, nothing mm. like that. But the people in my family. Like for homeopathy to work, you have to want to be involved in your own healing process. Yeah, so if right. you're coming to a homeopath and you expect to lose weight and you, because you're having trouble losing weight, but you still have um, questionable choices around what you're eating and you have no regard for diet, you're not going to lose no weight. No remedy's ever going to work. No. So it's the same thing with... And and so if you don't want to adjust, if you don't want to be part of the process, it's probably not for you. Like mm. I think that's one out clause that I have to say. Like I I think homeopathy is miraculous in some cases, but it's certainly not for everybody. Mm. Like it, people need to. So they'll usually get a recommendation from a friend. So they need to firstly be open to it, and then secondly investigate a little bit. Is this really going to be for me mm. at this time with this particular condition? Yeah. And it doesn't always work because it's really hard. A homeopath has to really study a case hard to get mm. the right remedy. It's not just a matter of you've got chickenpox, so I'll give you this remedy, yeah. or you've got I don't know tinea, so I'll give you this remedy. It's a really involved process, and if you don't go through that process, it's not going to be effective. When I uh, found out you were studying. To be a homeopath, I I imagine myself in the ten hundreds, in the Middle Ages, <laughs> and uh, there was lots of witches. Mm. You just mentioned that your family calls you a witch. 
and they would give like herbal mm. or flowers or tinctures or all this sort of stuff that actually did work. But the monks and the and the religions were scared of them. Mm. They called them witches and they burnt them at the stake and they chopped their heads off and instead they put dung poultices on the mm. wounds or they bled the people mm, out. Mm, mm, mm. And uh, so I, I like to think of you as a witch <laughs> because, and I, and it makes me sad to think of how many over the centuries were killed and it's through for what they were doing. And it's just ignorance. You but know. you know, the same thing's happening today in a different way. Yes, it's true. Let's cut them off yeah. from a rebate. Yeah. Let's demonise them because it's snake oil. Well, even it's let's quackery. go further than that, Anthony, and I'll tell you about what else is happening in the homeopathic world. So we have a registering body in Australia called the Australian Register of Homeopaths, and we have an a number of associations, and um, AHA is Australian Homeopathic Association, one of those. Um, one of the ways to stop the proliferation of anything is to stop education. Mm. So most recently, the biggest blow that has happened in Australia is there are no recognised courses for studying homeopathy. There used to be a degree course, but there is no longer this course. You, Up until very, very recently, and I'll talk about that, but there, there was no way to become a qualified homeopath in Australia. Wow. So it was completely taken. Now, Arrow have recently gone through a very lengthy process of accrediting two colleges that train homeopaths. One's in Malaysia and the other one is in Greece. That's the college I studied with. And they've gone to great lengths to accredit these courses so that they'll continue to have in new incoming homeopaths because as it was there was no go not going to be any new homeopaths because there is no way for them to be educated so even if somebody wanted to go and study homeopathy in say one of your daughters wants to go study homeopathy there's nowhere to go they can't mm. so now at least arrow have recognized well you can but it has to be overseas so there's overseas colleges that have gone through certain protocols and that you can now Who, Who's Arrow? Arrow is the Australian Register of Homeopaths. Right. And it, it, it's not um, necessarily legal to have to register with them if you want to practice homeopathy, but they are a kind of governing body, if you like, in Australia. Hmm. Yeah, and they... Yeah. Did you know that you were getting into a shitstorm no. when you set out to become a homeopath? God, no. I didn't <laughs> get it. Like, why Would you have bothered? If you had a known? That's a really good question, you know. Like, I... Okay, so yes, because if, like, intellectually, I'm so stimulated by the subject because it is so involved. Hmm. Like, I have... It's one of the intellectually most difficult and stimulating things I've ever studied, and I've studied many things, but particularly homeopathy was one of the most challenging. And there is so much to know... And if you can find a really good homeopath, like that's just gold because they have dedicated 
sacrificed so much in order to get where they are, it's not easy to be a good homeopath. Okay. You can be an average homeopath and you can prescribe like first aid things and, you know, get by, but it's not uh, easy to to really change somebody's level of health in a chronic case, for example. If I had have known, yeah, I probably still would have done it. I don't know if I couldn't not have done it. Given that it kept on resurfacing for you. It kept coming up. That often you're meant to be doing it. uh, Yes, and also... Maybe you were um, burned at the stake. Maybe I was burned at the stake, Anthony. Like, you know... And you know, I wouldn't... Like, another motivating force really is my mum. Like, my mum has been sick for not... Has been sick for a greater part of my life, actually. So it's probably coming up 20 years now. Um, with very little to no headway being made with conventional medicine. And so this was going way back. That was when I decided I'm going to work this out. Yeah. I'm going to help. Yeah. And I investigated so many different things. And actually what I came up with was um, yoga. has been one of the most primary things that has helped. To help her. But then homeopathy now takes it another level um, many things can be healed through a yoga practice but again it takes a very highly skilled teacher and practitioner to be able to lead someone on that road individualistically but homeopathy has a very targeted way of working so I wanted mum to experience that too so um, that was motivation to keep going as well as in terms of the politics, though, Anthony, you know what? I really don't care. Mm. Like, mm. I don't care. I thought you'd say that. I really couldn't care less. But for me, it's a matter of are the people I'm serving getting better? Is there a result or is there not a result? And that's my primary focus. So I actually don't even care that homeopathy has been taken off the public, private health rebate thing. It's not going to make a difference to me. Um and it's, I mean, even to my clients who are not claiming now anyway, mm. um, because I chose not to register for that. So yeah. people that see me aren't coming because they get a $12 rebate on mm. their consultation fee. Yeah. So it's not something that I'm hugely worried about. I worry more about the education side so of it. Would, does that mean you would, wouldn't recommend it as a career? for someone listening to what you're saying today? Um, I think you have to be very passionate and once you know that that's what you want to do, I wouldn't discourage anybody. Yep. Um, and if you've seen results yourself, you've got the passion, you've got the proof that it's been helpful and that it can help you. But in terms, if you, if you want to think of a career in terms of money-making enterprise, like no don't do it like mm. if you think you're going to make a million dollars or if you even think you're going to make a a stable income I think people can do it in a certain way but it will take a long time for you to get to that point yeah yeah so and and that's valid people can do that I do know people who are doing it I don't know a lot of people who are doing it in Australia I think in other countries it's different yeah where it's um, more accepted yeah mm. lots more accepted um so in terms of the social stigma around it, don't worry about that. If you're interested yep. in studying homeopathy, just do it. Yeah. Um, 
but in terms of money making yeah I think it's it's a tricky one because like you know like I said if people are getting better and not coming back they're not coming to pay you anything yeah that's right and that's what mm. I want yeah yeah you do <laughs> well can we just go back a little bit mm-hmm. and can you tell me what actually a homeopath is and that's a good question so yes we take a really detailed case history of someone's situation whether it's their chronic condition we're treating or an acute um, and we so when you when you say detail what do you mean so we look at their family history we look at their previous medical history of diseases they've had in the past um, excuse me of course any medications that they're on um, their current condition their responses to their environment the things that they eat don't eat don't like have a reaction to their thirst their body temperature anything that pertains to the person's well-being and how they respond to their environment is important so the whole picture of them the whole totality is what we say totality well how long would that take well we say at most i guess on average case taking initial case taking would take maybe an hour and a half but it's very easy to go longer than that well that'd be an hour and a half with the person and then you'd go off and do your that's right more research yeah so i'd go off once i'd taken the case and then i would go and um write it all down again and then put it through an analysis on the on the software that i use and then once i've done that then i hit the books so we get a short list of remedies basically and then you go through and think, yes, that could match, that couldn't. So basically what we're trying to do is match the person's profile with a remedy profile. It has to be as close as possible matching. So a parallel to that would be me visiting my doctor mm-hmm. and I walk in to see him and uh, he doesn't look at me. He's looking at his screen with his hands on the keyboard typing my name mm-hmm. and listening to what I say that will take maybe a minute and the first time he looks at me is when he turns to hand me my script. Mm-hmm. So you're going to give me an hour and a half. And do you know, that's right. And do you know, though, like for someone like you, that's very hard because you have such penetrating eye contact. Those of you who are listening, you wouldn't understand this, but your eye contact is just superlative, Anthony. It's always been that way. So for someone that wants that response visually, like it must be very difficult to feel so unheard like not seen when you go to visit well, someone like it, that it's obvious that he doesn't care about me mm. he doesn't care about me mm-hmm. and he's interested in getting me out that door quickly because there's another person out there waiting and i totally get that mm-hmm. but when i saw you and i went through that process i thought this person's like getting the picture of me the whole picture she actually cares about me i have to I have to understand you like I have to really understand and it's but that's a lot for you to take on board oh it's a lot Anthony you're taking on you're taking on that everything like the energy of that person. that's true that's true and and for that reason I think many homeopaths stop that's one of the reasons they stop and I think uh, it can be really very time-consuming so the time that you take to take the case is one thing then how you go and analyze it is a whole nother thing and then the follow-up on mm. top of that and it's, that's vital isn't it? it it's so important and if the person is involved and they 
maybe take a little note or two to tell you when they come see you or if they know oh something's happening I should just let Abby know like that's that's all part of it hmm. that honest on if so if you was to say put that in a big scale like how would you implement homeopathy on a big scale to the general population it used to be done there were homeopathic yeah. hospitals yeah there were the thing is when you get the experience you can more easily prescribe faster you get to see things more. well if i was sitting in your waiting room as opposed to the domain mm-hmm. i'd be getting pretty disappointed that you hadn't seen me by now <laughs> right. an hour and a half with that person that's right like how many g- people like can we see in a day yeah. not many no so you, it is a labor of love which is why i don't understand the argument that i've heard is that homeopaths are just deceiving people to make money mm. i can guarantee you that's not the case mm. like people it's are not more making, the other way it's people are not making a lot of money if mm. they're practicing homeopathy mm. pure like there's other modalities that people might combine in with mm. it and then i i don't know what that's all about i'm a homeopath i don't do all the other things so it i'm not sure but if you're practicing as a homeopath I'm pretty sure your motivation isn't just to make a lot of money, mm. but that's what gets argued often. So, you, so you've spent an hour and a half. You've gone and researched. You've studied this person and their possible ailments. You then come up with a plan for a remedy, and you ring them and say, "Come on in, I've got your remedy." Mm-hmm. And they sit down, and you hold out a jar, and it's got this tiny little grain of rice in mm-hmm. it, and they look at you like I did and mm-hmm. say. Are you fair income? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you mentioned it before that 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 this is energetic medicine, mm-hmm. which is hard for people to grasp mm-hmm. if they've not participated in that world. Mm-hmm. It's so you true. Know, if they're if they're mainstream newspaper reading football watchers, yeah, they won't be able to. They, they won't be able really, to grasp it at all. No, it's really hard. So it's a matter of. Um, getting results yeah. they have to feel better afterwards mm. and and sometimes with homeopathy you can feel worse before you start to feel better so mm. y- it's okay i have a really good friend who again we converse a lot about cases and we help each other and the motto that we've had recently it just seems to be ongoing homeopathy is so hard like in so many ways it's so so hard mm. but when you get it right it's so worth it mm. um it's not easy to get it right mm. because there are a lot of influencing factors in people's lives, a lot of allopathic drugs, a lot of um, other drugs, recreational drugs, like it's um, even coffee can affect it. So it's an uphill climb to do homeopathy. Yeah. But yes, energetic medicine, okay, it's energetic. Why have I got a little white ball in here? Mm. That's not mm. like that's a thing. Yeah, you know, and then you want me to dilute it. And then you want me to take one drop out of there? You're a lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, um, placebo is uh, used as a term negatively. Mm. But how good's a hug? Yeah, that's right. And yeah. like homeopathy is like a monumental hug. It's because you are, you are giving me you, and it's amazing. Well, it's um, to ma- it's a catalyst. It's a catalyst for change. So it's not necessarily that you're adding anything to the person. It's only 
in chronic disease, someone's gone off the track of their natural balance. Mm. All homeopathy is meant to do is push the person in the right direction with the right velocity back onto the course. Mm. You have to know how to do that by matching their symptoms and their energy levels and all of that. That's an art form. It's, it's fascinating. And so, as tricky as it is, when you start to see changes, I didn't believe it either, Anthony. Like when, especially when I was doing what, dry dilutions are one thing. Taking like a, like a little, like a little container full of pills and just taking those. But wet doses, where you're giving people half teaspoons and diluting that and taking one drop and you know like that just blew my mind I thought this isn't even possible but mm. if it had if I hadn't have done it myself it would have been very hard to believe so I completely understand people that don't believe it I completely mm. understand but don't naysay it mm. until you've tried it yeah I've I felt like that when I was um learning reflexology mm. that I thought ah this can't work no and it wasn't until I started actually doing it and you see people having results you think whoa I think that's why that's conventionally there's such a limitation on how we perceive the human condition and health of that human condition like yeah. because it's been medicalized and tried to fit into these parameters and these boxes we have such a limited way of thinking like mm. If we were brought up to believe, if your mother was giving all the kids reflexology through, you wouldn't question that. Like yeah, you that's right. You would have grown up with it. It's one on the list too. It would be, of yeah, course. Yeah, it's quackery. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't even, I don't even get offended by that anymore. Like it's, uh, I, they're lost. To, to me, it's more that. reason to do it. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why? I mean, fine. But yeah. Everyone else has their own choice. Yeah. Yeah. And you can still choose. You're just not going to get a rebate. And at the end of the day, That's the rebates right. aren't it's quite not minimal. much anyway. Yeah, very minimal. Mm. Yeah, I've kind of gone on about that a lot, haven't I? Have you? Yeah, I felt like I've gone on and what, on. What the rebates? And on. No, just you know the way it's perceived. I think public perception, and I and rightly so, public perception of it because it can be practiced badly, Anthony, and it 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 isn't always effective, and um, especially if it's haphazardly prescribed so I understand why it's got a bad rap mm. but the people that know it works they hang around yeah mm. and they tell people mm. yeah I have a really interesting story from my trip to Swaziland last year so I went to Swaziland to, uh, this friend I keep referring to dear Peggy um, she lives in Swaziland and she has a clinic she's on a sabbatical at the moment but she's I went over to be with her um, as a friend but also to um, be in her clinic and see what type of people come to the clinic it was very different to what happens in Australia so uh, I mean economically and socially everything's very very different as you'd imagine in an Af on the African continent but people are not quite as influenced with allopathic drugs so there's less chance for antidote and there's also a lot of trauma in that environment where there's a lot of refugees um, and familial trauma and yes there's drug addiction alcohol addiction which is rife also in Australia but it's a 
what I saw there was the response to homeopathic remedies was fast, very, very fast, like very quick results. She's the one that was saying, like, people just don't, like, I see people two or three times, but they just don't come back because I ring them and they say they're fine. So mm. <laughs> they do respond really well. Um, and I think there has been some research around that, why certain people, certain races and cultures respond better. Well, if you look at the opposite of that, the Australian Aboriginal pointing the bone. Yep. You know, the power of suggestion yeah. and they go and die. Yeah, that's true. So it could be, there could be an element of that. I think that um, what I, well, one of the particular cases we saw, the gentleman had had a stroke and he was on high blood pressure medication, I think, and he was a refugee um, from Rwanda and he uh, didn't have use, full use of his left side and he was reliving the memory of what had happened to him like almost day by day and retelling that story as if it's still happening right now like it was so present for him and that trauma he relived just over and over and over as as happens with trauma and um he gave he we debated actually this one we debated amongst us what are we going to give him we agreed what we we're going to give him what potency are we going to give what, which is what strength are we going to give it in and we debated a bit and eventually made a decision and it wasn't until I was home that Peggy had done the follow-up and he came back and he had full use again of his left side and his speech he's a school teacher right he's a school teacher and he um was on contract and because he was having difficulty with his speech they didn't know if he was going to be able to um, continue with his contract the following year and he's impoverished so it meant a lot to him to keep his job and he was speaking normally again at the follow-up really like astounding so um, conventional mindset says oh he was going to heal anyway yeah um, that's their right to make that assessment but I know that the remedy had an impact it doesn't happen that that's way. amazing yeah it was a wonderful story that was really really um, heartening that's mm. why you do it mm. that's exactly why you do yeah. it there's no other reason than that yeah. yeah when you get that kind of response yeah way better mm. than the, all the rest yeah. yeah yeah is that where you learned about the book which one the, uh, the elephant whisperer you know that was um, a yoga teacher in America, um, part, the, part of the school that I'm involved with now, she was assessing an assignment that I had handed in and I had mentioned to her, I won't be able to communicate with you for a few weeks or a month because I'll be away and I'm going to Swaziland and she'd been and she said, oh, you really must read The Elephant Whisperer. So you read it while you were there? I wish I had, but I didn't. I read it when <laughs> I, I came so back. Good. It was. Have you read it? Yeah, we both read oh, it. Oh, you have read yeah, it now. Yeah. What did you think? Loved it. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was great brilliant. story. But you know, For an amazing man. Yeah, and so I said, I also said the same. Oh, I wish I had have read this before I went, but actually now like when I was reading it it was so alive for me because some of the terminology was familiar yeah I knew visually 
what it was like because we went to Kruger National Park and seeing okay. all that fantastic yep. and yep. seeing the elephant herds and being yep. so close to them and yep. seeing the lions kill a buffalo and you know the wildness of mm. the African mm. continent in in South Africa anyway in Kruger and to have that then come alive in a book oh it was fantastic it, like it was almost as if it wasn't real yeah a, but, but it was real it was real a real yeah. story it was amazing yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I really enjoyed it yeah thanks I'm for putting us under I'm that. glad you yeah. liked it I wonder yeah, it's good. if you've read it it's one of those books when you put it down you think oh, oh. now I need another book that's but right how am I going to get one as good as that yeah that's exactly right and yeah. I think actually his wife published a book after she did yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I haven't um, read that one though. No. yeah but anyway mm. that's a good book really good mm. yeah um, have you read anything good recently I've got so many books on the go um, yeah but probably not books that you like um, <laughs> like a, a futuristic yeah book and stuff like that yeah I've got all sorts of books happening I did read an interesting book a few years ago um, The Last Librarian just to go back to vaccines ah and uh, in that that was set in 2098 and um, everyone had a, a like a computer that would appear in front of them they didn't have to hold it like a phone nowadays and you'd get reminded that today was your uh, vaccination day and if you didn't go to get your vaccination the police would arrive and arrest you <laughs> <laughs> and put you in jail until you got vaccinated and then they let you out I don't even want to have the thought in my head yeah. you know so we probably won't be alive then no um, I hope not mm. yeah. but it was a, a, yeah Great, That's very interesting. great story. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Oh, I don't know. It's always nice talking to you, Anthony. I don't really have anything in my mind. Um, I don't even know what the time is. No, me either. Oh, yeah. Well, we've only been talking for an hour. That's pretty good. Yeah. I hope people haven't fallen asleep yet. No, I think, well, I hope that your um, friend in Africa get to listen to it. And I hope yeah. that um, people that are thinking of coming to see you get to listen to it and yeah. have a bit more of an idea um, other than just your website about yeah. what a homeopath does. Well, I purposefully don't put a lot of information on my website because I think that there's there can be a bit of information overload and... I'd rather someone call me to speak to me about it because mm. it will be applied differently in each person's life depending yep. on and yep. they, and they might tell me what they have and I could say well I really don't think it's going to suit you right now or their condition might be advanced to a point where I'm not equipped enough to deal with it in in a way that's effective um, and I can refer on when that happens but it's I think important to note that homeopathy is an individualised practice. It is not a box that has a drug in it to mm, fix the mm. problem. So it's individualised from the very get-go. So you have to be willing to participate yeah, you have in to be creating change. And you have to be... Uh, we ask so many questions as homeopaths. I often say, like, the more honest you can be, mm. the, the more it's going to help me. But if you're... in if you're embarrassed or don't want to talk about a particular subject that's really a big issue, 
it's not going to work as well as it possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why, you know, like for someone like you, Anthony, it's just a dream because you t- if I could ask you any question and you would honestly answer me. Yeah. So that's, well, that's why. Well, that, that were the rules. That has to be that way. Well, <laughs> and if people don't, that's okay, but the result might not be as good as it could be. So therefore they'll go away and say it doesn't work. That's right. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. catch-22. Yeah. You know what's going to happen. Like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to think, damn, we should have talked about that or we should have talked about this, so why didn't I elaborate a little bit more? Well, we can do it again, <laughs> but we've also got someone listening and she'll probably prompt us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. She's very good at that. Yeah. Mama so. Early. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was um I've been wanting to chat to you. Did we I'm chat about the things you wanted to? Was yeah. that in your mind? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Was there anything yeah. else in your mind that you had to chat about? Um I only that uh you know, there's like seeing uh, we've got some friends that are doctors. Mm-hmm. And um you know, the the fact that um you know, as people get older, they discover they're on too many drugs, mm. and there's no one really around getting them off them. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Saying, well, you needed this when you were 50, but you don't need it now. Yeah. And you've been on it since you were 50, and you're now 80. Yeah, I, I just had so many things go through my head when you said that, and one of them is I wish there was a visual image of the number of medications people have taken over 20 or 30 years like it might fill your caravan you know like mm. um and the cost of that yeah yeah like to the government to the person's pocket to you know the profit that's been made like i wonder there are people there are more open-minded doctors who will reassess and i often say to my patients please go to your doctor and have this reassessed because i just think this combine i'm not a pharmacologist but I think this combination of drugs may be interfering somehow with what I'm trying to do but also with your own system like I think it might need a review mm. please go and have it reviewed yeah I don't know the process that doctors go through to review medication well, they might not have time I reckon Is it, if you go into a yeah. 10 minute GP certainly yeah they don't um, and they have to go on research that's been done Mm. And that's on a on mass scale. Might not be that case for that person that's mm. in front of them, but that's mm. all they've got to go by. So, yeah. it, look, okay, this is what I think ultimately about health. Take responsibility for your own health. Take responsibility. The decision's not your homeopaths. The decision's not your doctors. You want to you choose what you put in your body, and you choose the effect that you want to have. It's not anyone else's responsibility and I feel very strongly about that too much responsibility has been put onto doctors I think like people go to them like they go to the mechanic like please fix my car like mm. it doesn't work like that yeah you have to be involved that's so simple you, so, you take responsibility for your health question things like mm. how does it make you feel like does it sit right in your gut like intuitively does it make your body feel better than it was and why do you keep going back when you're not getting better? Like that astounds me. So, and and, and maybe the answer is because they don't know anything else to do. Mm. There's no other option mm. in their mind. So yeah. health is such a tricky thing and it, we should not just willy-nilly hand it over to anyone. Like we really need to trust the person we see yeah. and 
feel comfortable with the decisions we make about anything to do with health. What do you think is the future of health? the health and health versus uh, homeopathy? Mm. There's going to be factions, I think. So there'll be people that are all one way, all the other way, perhaps some that want to dabble in a bit of everything. This is kind of happening now. Um, as for the future of homeopathy, it's too effective to die. Like, yeah. it's not going to die because it works. And it's the same with yoga. Yoga's how old? 5,000 or something. They say years old. Who knows? Maybe older. But the reason is it survived is because it's evolved whilst maintaining lineage. It's still evolved and it fits now, excuse me, with our times. Homeopathy will evolve when science can say there's something to this yeah. and then it will become accepted. Mm. I wish there was a lot of money and research money rather dedicated to researching homeopathy and its effect on people and how we prescribe remedies. If there was money poured into that, we could be brilliant prescribers. Like if there was some kind of machine developed and some people believe they've done this to detect you're vibrating at this kind of pattern, so this kind of pattern's um, the same as this particular remedy, okay, we make a match. Some people, there are things out there that kind of do that now, supposedly. But if there was more research dedicated to that, the potential for it is huge. So whilst it seems fairly dire at the moment for homeopathy in terms of education and uptake of people that want to do it, blah, 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 I think that there's huge potential if there's enough committed researchers to start saying, I think you better take a look at this, and then it will change. Then it can be more accepted. Mm. I hope that's the way it goes. There's, there's clinics popping up around the world where there's um, doctors, trained doctors, that are using both sides of medicine, the uh, natural therapies mm -hmm. and also mm -hmm. normal medicine. Yep. Would you get invited to one of those clinics? So, I mean, there are there is a clinic like that in Adelaide. Um, yes, I could work within that kind of. So they would accept homeopathy. It, it would depend on the individual doctor whether right. they had some kind of um, open-mindedness towards it or affiliation to it. But I, I generally would say, in that case, yes. That, that I would be accepted in that environment in general. What I find funny, and this will be, might sound a bit strange, but homeopathy is um, energetic medicine. It's snake oil, it's uh, quackery, mm -hmm. and uh, they say you have to have faith to, for it to work. And all those people probably drive to church on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And go and believe in something that doesn't exist. Or. And on the flip side, Anthony, like homeopathy, they say, is placebo. It doesn't work. Homeopaths misleading people and it's nothing. You're taking nothing. But on the flip side of that, oh, someone took this remedy and they ended up having a seizure and yeah. died. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God, homeopathy is so dangerous, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah. So it's, what what is it then? Like, yeah. is it placebo or is it dangerous? Like, yeah. make your mind <laughs> up. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, right. Um, 
there's too much I- illogical reasoning around yeah. around that. Like it's make up a story to suit themselves in many cases. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. But just let people make their own choice. Mm. Yeah. I like what you said though. You have to you have to take charge. You take responsibility. Like I you come to me as a homeopath, I do my utmost to find the best remedy and to take care of your case, but I cannot take care of your health. Do you ever say that to anyone? Like, look, you're wasting your time. Um, I have done. I have said to people that I really don't know if I can take you any further because yeah. of whatever reason. Mm. Um, but And I think that's for both of our sakes. Mm. You know, I really don't think this is going to be yeah. the path right now. But generally, they'd already know yeah. and they yeah. wouldn't come back. Yeah. So, And I, I respect that totally. Yeah. yeah. But it's not an easy... That's not an easy thing to say to someone. Do you find that if someone is... Um, on a lot of prescription drugs when they come to see you that your job is more difficult? Well, it is um, because we rely so much on symptoms as homeopaths. Like we yeah. need very clear, and the more weird symptom the better, the clear, um, persistent, perhaps peculiar symptoms really form the picture and the basis on what we prescribe. But if you're taking a drug to suppress the symptom that you want treated, the picture is completely different. Mm. So because we rely so much on the picture, um, it's very hard to make an accurate assessment of what that person's symptom profile is. And mm. do they have a, now a drug, what we call a drug layer, where yeah. they have a symptom because of the drug, yeah. but if you took the drug away, the symptom would yeah. go. So why would I prescribe for that? Mm. But that said, like it can work, but the more um, allopathic drugs that are involved, in my experience the harder it's been. Yeah. Not necessarily the amount of a drug that someone takes. I mean, like, the number of different things people are on. Yeah, like, it's like right. a salad of mm. medication, mm. you know. Yeah. So, I imagine a homeopath would never say, you need to get off these drugs. Oh, no. But when the person, like, you might have a conversation saying, I don't know, this combination is working for you and they mm-hmm. go then back to their doctor mm-hmm. I'm a homeopath said to come and see you because she reckons that this isn't working mm. how does that go down well that's up to them how they take it but I used to think that that way that what you've just said like oh I shouldn't say that but I I have every right to make that statement well, it's almost a duty of care yeah like mm. it's not like I'm questioning the doctor's decision I'm saying go and get it reviewed mm. I'm not saying it's wrong. Mm. I'm saying it needs to be looked at, yeah. and I'm not the person to look at it. Mm. So go and find yeah. someone who can. So, yeah, I, yeah. Do you have success with that? Um, sometimes, where the drug is presenting difficult side effects for the person. Mm. Yeah, because ultimately, why do we want to be healthy? Like, for for me, like. If you're taking a drug, it better be working. If it's not working, then what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you taking it? Yeah. And why have you questioned it? Yeah. That, that, to my mind, just doesn't make sense. So please question why you're feeling the way you are. And some people just get to acceptance, like, oh, I take these drugs and they give me reflux, but, oh, well, you yeah. know, small price to pay. They might yeah. think that. The doctor told me that was going to happen. Yeah, so, okay, that's fine. Or I'm taking these drugs and now, because I'm taking these drugs, I... 
I can't get an erection, so I just have to deal with that. That's mm. just the way that it is. Mm. So people go into acceptance and that is completely their choice and mm. that's fine. But if they don't like what they're living with, make changes. Mm. Yeah, make a change or question it at least. It's possible that in good faith they went in the beginning some years ago and got a pill and yeah, they've just that's kept right. taking it and they yeah. haven't even thought to question it. And they've, they've just lived with it. And, the, and that's right. And their lifestyle might have changed completely and they don't need mm. it anymore. But mm. what I was going to say is the reason we seek health is to live the best life that we have been put here to live. Like it's health is freedom. Mm. Health is ultimately freedom from pain, from um, ego, from um, over being overly ambitious about things. It's freedom in... Every respect is health. Health is freedom. And so many people feel trapped by their bodies, by their minds, by their emotions, that they kind of go into apathy. But the whole point of homeopathy is to release people from this preoccupation with health so that they can... This is kind of going to sound a little bit esoteric woo-woo, but it's like the spirit inside of them can live the life that it was meant to live. Mm. It's not a preoccupation with the sore back and a sinusitis and a whatever else. It's You can f- put your energy now on all the other things you want to be doing or that you feel an urge to be doing. That's the whole point. Why else would you want health? That's so good. Yeah. I'm guessing that homeopathy's changed your life. Yeah, absolutely it has. Like it makes you look at the world differently, mm. makes you look at people differently. And what it also makes you realise is there are some really weird symptoms people have. But I guarantee we'll find it somewhere in the literature, in homeopathic literature. And it makes me realise the patterns that happen. So homeopathy makes you realise that there are certain pattern profiles within a sickness and that it's not actually unpredictable what happens in the course of the disease or in the course of cure. Like it's predictable patterns. This is what I don't understand about doctors. Why don't they question why people aren't getting better with what they do? Mm. Why don't you question it? Why do you keep doing the same thing and expect a different result? Mm. Like it doesn't make sense to me like if I Mm. give a remedy and it's not working maximum amount of visits I've got with that person is three on average people aren't going to come back after that so that's the patient responsibility bit but the doctor responsibility is they have to think why isn't this working okay maybe they don't want it to work or yeah I I want want a repeat repeat customer (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't but for me, I don't know, I couldn't practice like that. It just wouldn't be life-affirming for me. Mm. But it, So there's a... There's, for me, in my mind, like, if you... Stu- and I guess as a doctor, you've studied for many, many years. You're in a socially respected position. Your income's probably better than the vast majority of everybody else. So that's at risk if mm. what you're doing isn't working. Mm. But you're protected by a system. You don't have to do the best for this person. You're going to get paid regardless. You mm. don't have to make them well. You're still going to get paid when they're sick. Mm. I don't. Well, so it used to be in maybe, I don't know, is it in China that you paid your doctor to keep you well? Yeah. You I didn't know. go to see your doctor when was, you were sick? Is that China? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'd 
one of those countries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's very, very... And that's um, kind of like the homeopath mm. painter to keep you well. And the same with Ayurvedic medicine, you know, Indian medicine too. Maybe that's where it's come from. Yeah, maybe. Um, one of the terms that you use is um, externalization. Mm. Do you uh, do you have in mind what the externalization could be when the person when you've given someone a remedy and, you, and they leave you, you go, oh, okay. This is this is what I expect could happen, and then they ring you and say, "Oh, uh, Abby, uh, this is what happened to me," and you go, "All right, good. I was expecting that." Yeah, I can kind of guess, but we don't always know. Right. Okay. So it and externalization is where something comes out. Put mm. it that way: mm. some discharge of some kind, some outburst of some kind, something comes out as a result of taking a remedy. So. That's not necessarily an aggravation. An aggravation is where something is exacerbated for a short period of time, but a externalization is where, say, you get a nasal discharge or you have diarrhea or you vomit or something comes out of your ears or something comes out. Mm. If You might get a sense for it in someone, but not always. Mm. Not always. Very often there's um, increased urination after a remedy, if it's the right remedy, or um, diarrhea is also can happen, um, people's thirst changes. So there are some kind of patterns that are a little predictable, but I don't always know, and I certainly, even if I had suspicions, I would you never wouldn't, say. No, no. Because then the person's waiting for it to happen. Yeah, that's you right. Know, they'll make it happen. Yeah, yeah. But no, I would never say. Hmm. Yeah. So... For someone to come, when someone decides to come to see me, they would book an appointment and we'd do, sometimes I would send the forms to them initially if I thought I need a heads up on this case before we do the initial consult. And sometimes I won't need to do that, depends on the person. Again, again, it's an individual thing. And then I'd have an initial consult with them, it takes about an hour and a half depends how much information I've gathered earlier and then after that I do the analysis and they take a remedy and then follow-ups are usually um, within say usually within the month the first month and then after that depending on how they're going maybe you could expect once a month or once every six weeks sometimes when people are doing well once every two months three months four months it goes out yep. and the remedies we give are very minute and I don't repeat very often so I don't prescribe supplements I don't not agree with supplements it's just something that I don't do I'm not a naturopath so I don't prescribe supplements um, if people want supplements and they ask me about it I might have some general knowledge but I don't sell them supplements nor do I sell remedies. That's just part of the process. And um, they don't need a lot of it either. So it's homeopathy works on the premise of m minimal interference. Mm. We don't want to interfere. Like yeah. the, 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 the assumption is your body's intelligence knows what to do. Sometimes yeah. it just needs to be moved in the right direction because it's being knocked off course for whatever reason. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So, yeah, the process is um, varying for everybody. So 
Some people see results after they first take a remedy, some people they need it a couple of months. Depending on the condition that they have, they might need six months or 12 months. And just recently I was reading um, something that said, by Hanneman, the founder of homeopathy, who said to treat a chronic case, his words, a chronically drugged case, it will take between one and two years. Mm. But we're talking about cure. I'm not talking yeah. about management. So mm. um, the process that happens is gradual. Mm. And sometimes what happens in, especially when people are getting better, because homeopathy is so subtle and because it's so natural, the improvement is often attributed to something else. I'm trying a new meditation and, oh, my God, my life has changed. Mm. Or I've, I'm putting wheatgrass in my muesli and, wow, you know, I am just going to the toilet like never before. And, and often that's attributed to something else, which that's par for the course. But why that happens is because it takes time and mm. changes happen gradually. Yeah. Yeah. So there's always other influences in people's lives when that happens. But it could be because of seeing you that they start thinking about yes, those things. Yes, that's true. That's and they true. start, okay, I need to take charge of this. And they start yoga or they start juicing or they start eating differently. And, and often I and think... And you haven't even done anything. No. And often I think that the remedy elicits something in someone. So maybe it was the meditation that has helped them but maybe they wouldn't have chosen to take that up had they not taken the remedy mm. so there are all kinds of influencing factors I think a remedy can be miraculous really it can be miraculous um, but it, it takes time in many cases because we live in a very stressed environment mm. like that's not good for anyone's health no. so it, it takes time Mm. Mm. It's been so good for you to come into this little noisy caravan. Thank you for having me. Could you hear the birds earlier? No. Okay. I was so, like, involved in you what were. you were talking You couldn't about. hear the doors out there or anything. <laughs> no, it's just going on. The birds, uh, they sit up here and they chirp. Ah. And so now I put them in the... Uh, that's the intro music oh, is the good. birds. That's yeah, nice. rather than music. Yeah, good. Because you've got to pay for music. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you, the, you don't need it. The stuff, the music that you can buy is lame. Oh. You can't put... Like, it's all that jingle kind of You vibe. can't put Metallica on unless oh. you pay them. Oh, what a shame. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> but, well, thanks, Anthony. It's always good talking to you. Yeah. Oh, I was excited. That's good. Yeah, really yeah, excited. Yeah, good. I'm very impressed with all this podcast. Well, it's only simple, but um, we'll see. Yeah. I'll do some editing and... Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Well, thanks. so you. nice that you could come here. Well, it's nice. It's lovely to talk to you about. It clarifies things in my mind, too, when we talk. Yeah. Mm. Do you have a website? Yes. Is that where people would normally go to to find you? Yep, normally that way. Yeah. And... What is the it's website? It's my name... AbbyWardTakarabe.com.au, so it's A double B Y W A R D T A K A R A B E dot com dot au. Brilliant. I'm I'll just it having up. it updated actually. Okay. So that will be released in the next week or so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, well, hopefully you can um, convince some people to have a listen. Yeah. You might even be able to put it onto your website. Yeah, that's mm. true. Mm. Yeah, thank you. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> this yeah. is why I get someone to do it for me. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, thanks, thanks so much. Anthony. Thank you. Yeah. It was a pleasure. It was really nice. Thank you.